0: Out of the gates and are ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow underway. The Friday edition is here. We are glad you are here with us across the Outkick network, which includes YouTube, X, Twitter. I still call it Twitter, Facebook, and live at Outkick.com and on this great radio partner. Chad, a big Friday show. We've got Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me here on Outkick, who will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. And later this hour, Jim Williams who is a Forbes columnist and also with Zinger and a media rights expert when it comes to conference realignment, grant of rights, and media contracts with college conferences and with universities and programs. What's happening with the ACC? The very latest on Stanford, Cal, and SMU later this hour as well. Good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon, Hunt. Much to my surprise, I think that X is starting to take off. I think the people are starting to switch over and call it X and not just Twitter, which I'm, I'm surprised it's I'm happened this quickly. i having a difficult quickly. time with that. I am too, but I'm also finding myself more and more saying X as well as Twitter, whereas X, before I wouldn't have even thought about
0: but it. But do you also say retweet?
1: Uh, I'm starting to get the post also. <laughs> they post it on X. So yes, I would still say retweet. I repost In fact, not when retweeted. I look for it, the repost is what it says, yeah. and it takes me
0: a second to realize, oh, that's to the old retweet is repost let's get to six o'clock eastern shall we we will with uh the studio here at sixth and peabody he hop here and we'll do again, so
1: moonshine. in a speedy manner that's also. right
0: get you there as well through your work day into the weekend college football officially kicks off this weekend uh, a lot to discuss throughout today's show and with the nfl we start there with our top headlines scorched earth today and chad it's the second time this week that we've opened the show discussing preseason football and performances on the field in a good manner. Not that we're bored and we can't wait for the regular season, but that's that's fair. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, albeit Atlanta looked awful. The Pittsburgh Steelers, legit, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, this offense, starting offense with Pickett on the field, four possessions four touchdowns through the preseason. If he ends up going into the season playing as well as he has through the last month and a half, Pittsburgh, while they've never really left the top level of the NFL in terms of bottoming out, and uh, we haven't heard from them in a while, never a losing season with Mike Tomlin. The starters are playing, and they're performing at a high level. They look like with Matt Canada now calling the plays, he was the quarterback's coach a year ago with Pickett. Things have picked up for their second year QB. And if they get off to the hot start in what is going to be a very competitive AFC North, and with the fact that in that division, there are a ton of division matchups within the first month of the season, the Steelers are playing the best in terms of just looking locked in and knowing and feeling comfortable with the system that they're running, which is typical for the Steelers organization?
1: It's been a while since we slept on the Steelers. Of of all franchises, of all teams. Well, we haven't thought about them because, you know, Ben Roethlisberger was a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. And when he retires, it's, well, we'll wait and see on this Kenny Pickett guy uh, who's a homegrown kid who played his college football in the same stadium. He's playing now with the Steelers. I love the pick when the Steelers made it. And he's starting to look like he is the next Great Steelers, possible Super Bowl winning quarterback. So I look at that entire division in the AFC North, and I see two real sleepers in that division with both Cleveland and Pittsburgh possibly breaking through this season. So Pickett's been great. I love Mike Tomlin. I love that it's really his personality. I mean, it goes further back than that. But Mike Tomlin is the perfect torchbearer for the Steelers' way and what that franchise is about a no-nonsense guy an alpha in his approach yes and he's an alpha when it comes to preseason also and getting reps and why it's meaningful
0: to play your starters in preseason games well and george pickens while i mean again these aren't four-quarter stats but you have pickett who has a perfect passer rating through the preseason completed 13 to 15 of his pass attempts this preseason two touchdown passes You see the Steelers' offense has scored five touchdowns on his five drives. I mentioned four. That's my fault there. But Pickens, on the outside, the 50-50 balls are not 50-50 for him. You know? It's more like 70-30. Yeah, it feels that way. And you got Lamar Jackson back. Uh, Watson, of course, in Cleveland. We'll discuss later in today's show how good are the Browns really. Because they could be really good. They could just be average. And expectations for a franchise that has set the bar for pay but meanwhile the Steelers have been in a little bit of a a bounce back but they went 9 and 8 a year ago with Tomlin and he was asked last night hey you've played your starters do you need to focus on the season opener which oh by the way is against San Francisco in week one and Brock Purdy you have Purdy against Pickett here's what Tomlin had to say with his philosophy on preseason play
2: I don't really need validation. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. And, and so, you know, preseason, the opportunity for us to spar and sharpen our sword for the battle. I love that. Simple to the I mean, point. It's
0: very well said. Um, I don't – you can now, see – They're playing a bit a longer than the average starting yeah. offenses are playing. That's why he's answering it that way. But, I mean, I don't know what six snaps does for, you know, Ryan Tannehill if he plays tonight. Um, reports are they're still waiting to decide if he's going to play at quarterback to get some reps in with the first-team offense for the Titans. I don't know what six snaps does in live action when you've had joint practices, but this is a bit different because they want to make sure they're, they're hitting on all cylinders as best as possible with an off, off season where you generally take the biggest leap with second-year players, and they have a lot of them.
1: Yeah, and I think different coaches could debate what sparring means. in the preseason right because he's saying sparring is playing a little bit in a preseason game and you kind of reference this hutton but i mean if you've got a joint practice or two of them with two different teams and you're doing live scrimmage action is that sparring is what you're doing in your intra squad part of camp is that sparring also if you're going live i mean not ever fully live right practice with a quarterback but you get my drift. I think every coach is going to have a different definition of what sparring is to box. But I, I like the way Mike Tomlin frames it. and does make a lot of sense. If you're going to go out there and box, which is play regular season NFL football, and you only get 17 opportunities to do so, you want to do a little sparring. And that's what preseason games look like. It's more than sparring for the back end of the roster when they get in the game. Yeah. That are trying to make a, a roster. They're, they're playing all out. But for those starters that know that their position with the team is locked in, yeah, I think
0: sparring's a good analogy for what's going on. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, a big talk there uh, on who's receiving carries and who's not. They'll start by splitting reps in the backfield. That's really the biggest storyline right now with this team. They look really good. Meanwhile, the storyline in Indianapolis is with Jonathan Taylor, the running back who's on PUP and wants to be traded. Uh, He's requested to trade as late as uh, the end of the month in July. Now he's been granted permission to go find a trade partner. And now we're starting to hear more teams named instead of just a group of teams and a number beside of it. Six teams, roughly. That was the, the number of teams that was reported to be really at least truly interested in trading for the Indy star running back who is 24 years old and is a year removed from averaging five and a half yards per carry and led the NFL in rushing. Chad? The Broncos, the Bears, and the Dolphins seem to be the three teams that at least through the national reporters like Schefter and Rappaport, Darlington, and others, those are the ones, the teams, that seem to be truly aggressive. Are they aggressive enough with what the Colts need? Don't know. But the card that the Colts can play is, hey, he's on the physically unable to perform list, which means he's failed their physical to show up and and be 100% at camp. If he goes through next Tuesday without being traded and he's still on PUP, they can place him on that list for the first four weeks of the season and he will not count against their roster of 53. Let's speculate a bit here, Hutton. Of the six or so teams that have been mentioned as
1: possibilities for Jonathan Taylor that I've been discussing uh, with his camp a possible trade with the Colts for him, which of those teams would Jonathan Taylor make the biggest impact on the league with? Not just the team but the biggest possible impact
0: on the league? That would come with Miami. Impact on the league. Now, if you're combining both, I think the impact is in Chicago, where I think the division is more open than how it's perceived with the Vikings running away with it. Uh, Minnesota, too, could be in the mix. That's another intriguing team because they got rid of Dalvin Cook, but they get the younger version of a very talented, and A-list running back uh, who's, what, five years younger, I believe? They could upgrade at the position and pay him a base salary here where, or you restructure it and give him some money down the road. Or you just tell him, hey, sign this. We're going to give you a, a, a bit of a bump. And we promise not to franchise tag you a year from now. That's the other thing that could come, come up with this. But again, uh, you also have to trade for him. And I don't know... If the Colts are going to budge, well, you have to have some give and take. But it's not—it's not like they're trading away Isaiah Simmons to New York for a seventh-round pick here. Yeah, you can't make that deal.
1: I—the the one that was mentioned yesterday, not as much now—that I think would have an enormous
0: impact is Philly. Philly, but see, Philly's already stacked. I'm looking at Miami. Like, where do you put Miami in the hierarchy of the AFC right now? When when Tua was healthy. And didn't have the first concussion. Um, and well, that, I put him third in their own division. Okay. And then with him. Maybe do, second,
1: but a playoff team. I, I think two teams in that division are going to, you know, uh, I, I'm guessing right now we'll do our playoff picks next week. Yeah. But I'm guessing Bills, Jets. Sure. Could it then be Bills, Dolphins or Jets, Dolphins? Absolutely. And, then and you, it could be that
0: way now, but with. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's certainly a possibility. And then it, Taylor, I mean, Taylor's a step above. I know Miami has a, they've stockpiled running backs. Taylor's a step above those guys. And in any locker room, he's, he's the number one. Denver's also intriguing. You put a run game behind, behind Russell Wilson, and that's what they had success with in Seattle. As well, With the Jerry Judy news we'll talk about a
1: little bit later, the need for a run game is even more right now for, for Denver possibly.
0: Uh, a need for an interim head coach while Jim Harbaugh serves the three-game suspension, Chad. Um, the coaches have been named, and they've named multiple assistants to fill the role of the head figure determining on the sideline what you do in uh, a game-day situation. Um, Harbaugh announces his, his his coaches for those first three games in what should be layups for the Michigan Wolverines. Um, so we haven't heard from Jim Harbaugh. He's no. just announced his coaching
1: his uh, coaching I, I carousel th- here I think while that's, he's out of the
0: suspension list. He's it's I, by design. But you I, absolutely and you know he's pissed off,
1: extremely pissed off. Um, I love that his dad, his, his 84-year-old dad, Jack Harbaugh, who's a longtime coach, coached at Western Kentucky in college for a while, in fact, is going to be one of the assistant or associate head coaches in all of this. Um, I, I, I see this and I think, I mean, how important is the head coach really if you're just going to swap it up every game? Wouldn't it serve well, you better? Some of the guys are
0: suspended for a game. From the NCAA.
1: But wouldn't it serve you better to just pick one guy and then keep your responsibilities the same on game day? And look, the head coach is is, is almost everything in college football. I'm not trying to diminish the importance of a head coach in college football. I just think in terms of game day responsibility and what you're doing, these guys can figure it out on a staff. They've been on staffs long enough to know what to do in in shifting responsibility. And I think the guys that he picked are going to do just fine. I just fully expected it to be one person that would be coaching these three games. And then everyone would slot into different roles and they would be in those roles for all three games that he's out. But apparently
0: Jim Harbaugh had other ideas. Well, and he's splitting up one of the games, first half, second half. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a spring game. And that's yeah. It's UNLV. like when they bring
1: in the celebrity guest coach that yeah. gets to call the first play.
0: Didn't Clay do also, that one, one time? He did. He, I think he did Alabama. Al- yeah. in
1: Um the disrespect to these other programs also well i mean you know what we're just going to try something different and have two head coaches over two halves in this but
0: uh, but is it that cute i mean we're all disrespecting them though because it's like look at these four games they were trying to negotiate look at these opponents if you're if you're barry odom who's in his
1: first year former missouri head coach first year at unlv (laughs) and you see this it's like well thanks a lot jim I i guess uh Guess it really doesn't matter that that much. That was
0: going to be Barry uh, Odom and uh, Bobby Petrino, was it not? Briefly, and the Petrino. Yeah,
1: Petrino took the job, and like I think he almost went on the road recruiting for for UNLV, and then
0: and then took off for uh, for A and M. Yeah, that's right. Chad, the uh, the Spaniard, kiss of death uh, that we've we've all heard about with uh, the Women's World Cup, the uh, the Spain Soccer Federation president. Uh, who kissed the star player on the lips for Spain. So there was a report out that he was stepping down, that he was resigning his post. And another report from out of uh, New York where he was, uh, the team is not going to play reportedly until he's gone. The Royal Spanish Football Federation, Perez, turns out amber harding has a story at outkick that he's actually not resigning and he is saying that the kiss was consensual that's the quote from the prez on that we had this discussion earlier the week about like what's customary what's not what's odd what's wrong and in this case you look at it and i raised an eyebrow i'm like what's going on here but i also think like you know uh you can't touch a royal tom cruise can't hold the hand of you know, uh, Kate Middleton
1: Uh, of royalty. Yeah. So the quote from Rubiales, uh, Luis Rubiales who's the president of the Spanish soccer federation is in the moment that Jenny arrived, she lifted me up off the ground. We almost fell over. We hugged. I said, forget about the penalty. You've been fantastic. (laughs) And then I said a kiss. And she said, yes. And then they kissed.
0: That's Uh, his recollection. It was spontaneous, mutual, euphoric and consensual. That's the other quote. Social assassination is what he's claiming is taking place right now. Also consensual, Dan Dockich. He joins us next right here on Hot Mic. Sixth and Peabody, our location with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mic with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. We're here live 3 to 6 p.m. each weekday afternoon. You can also catch Dan Dockich on the Outkick Network, host of Don't At Me. Mornings, 9 to 11 Eastern. There he is, Dan the Man, Dockich. Dan, good to see you. What's going on, fellas? What's the feeling going into the weekend, man? You got a cold one yet or no?
2: No, I've been working. I worked out. I, I was doing some stuff. I was... uh mowing grass. I got to get some stuff done, man. I got a big weekend. I got the senior club championship over here. I wow. got to go see a wow. queen cover band. I, I just got done at the Sox game. I, my, hey, no grass doesn't grow under my feet, pal. We got to we gotta keep it moving.
1: You got to keep rolling at all times, Dan. And uh, that's the way the Colts, I guess, feel right now. You got to keep it moving. Even when your star running back wants out, uh, that star running back can go find their own trade. And then we'll talk about it. What is the vibe there in Indy around Jonathan Taylor getting traded?
2: It's not pro-Jonathan Taylor, I'll tell you that much. And particularly if you – I don't know if you remember, but it was four years ago yesterday, Andrew Luck quit on the Colts. And that kind of stirred up, like, what's Jonathan Taylor doing? He's paid a contract that he signed, and he's not playing, but he's there. Um, people at camp haven't been nasty, but he has kind of stayed in the middle – kind of of the field, away from fans to interact, which is unlike him. He's always been a very cordial guy towards everybody, really. So this is kind of sad to see. It really is. I mean, a guy that has a reputation, a stellar reputation, smart, hardworking, all that kind of stuff, and now he's kind of reduced to hiding from his own fans. I don't like it. I'm sure he doesn't like it. It could come up tomorrow, today, uh, any moment that the Colts have traded him. But I swear to you, the people that I talked to said it's going to take a pretty good deal to trade them. I mean, they have all the leverage. You know, some people are talking about a second and a fourth, maybe, excuse me, a second and a third. I don't know. I mean, my people tell me the Colts want a first unless this thing gets to uh, some type of different deal where they give in. But I don't know, man. As of right now, Colts, Colts got their heels dug in pretty good saying, look, you going to play or not?
0: Dan Dockett's with us. Dan, there's so many follow-ups here, but first... Is he healthy?
2: It's a great question. It's a great question. I'm not giving up a second or a third uh, round pick for a guy who's not going to play till October. That's part of the leverage I'm talking about. In fact, on a little local show I did today, we were talking about like playing role play. Like if I'm a general manager and I want to trade for Jonathan Taylor, I'm asking those questions. Okay, is it his ankle that he had surgery on? Now the report said it's his back. Jonathan Taylor said it wasn't his back, but pretty reliable people are saying it's his back. This is why... It's just another example of why when I've come on your show, going back, I think, even before I had a show, I would talk about the Colts as liars, Ballard as a fraud, the indie media as complicit. We went through this with Peyton Manning. The media... Cover, Well, I didn't know they were inept. And one of the guys who worked at our radio station got the neck thing. We went through this with Andrew Luck. Was it his ankle? Was it his knee? Was it a soft tissue? Hell, Peyton Manning got pissed at the organization because they dragged him out there and he, you know, he did old Peyton, said, yeah, he gonna play, you know, that happy horse bleep that Peyton spews. And next day he's quitting. We, this is what we do in Indy, and this is why I'm so critical of this organization, this general manager, uh, because it's what we do. Nobody knows what the injury is. I had a, I had a guy who is in the front office of another uh, team say Ballard is so arrogant that he literally thinks he could slip all this bias. It'll be interesting to see. But I, those questions, it's exactly the right questions. Yeah. Is he healthy? Who the hell knows?
0: Yeah, and, and, and one more for me on this. Ursay really stirred this up, not Ballard. But going back to your point of the last year, Ursae. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. how did Ursay screw it up? Oh, because they did the bus thing, and then he came out publicly and said, yeah, the running backs that are on that Zoom call were full of crap, and they need to be more professional with what they're talking about. Meanwhile, uh, the reports were from other players that Jonathan Taylor on the Zoom call was the most pissed off and disgruntled about the whole situation. So, I mean, how
2: Yeah, but he, he but would absolutely let, take let it from his owner that. like he's
0: talking about his his own player who he's been asking ab- ab- about hey, let's can we can we negotiate? Can we not? And the first thing Ursay says publicly is regarding to the Zoom call.
2: Well, I I'll answer that, but but the bigger issue here is that that Taylor went into this pissed off. And again, I'm the only one you're going to hear this from, and I know this to be true. Players don't want to play there. And it's not because of Jimmy Ursa. Players don't want to play there because they know it is a soft, unprofessional organization. Now, you heard Matt Ryan call it a blank show. We've seen uh, Phillip Rivers say, hey, look, this. I'm not coming back for $25 million. Andrew Luck quit. Jack Doyle quit in his prime. Kahari Willis quit in his prime. Stephon Gilmore said, I'm getting out of here. And now Jonathan Taylor. This is, this is about Ballard. Yeah, Ursay defended the whole thing, and Ursae got out in front. And to your point, I'm supposed to, you're right. But this ain't about that. This is about that players, a number of them, including Matt Ryan when he left last year, said, look... This is a blank show. There's nobody in there that you can trust. The feeling is that everybody runs to Ballard. Uh, and that's why Ballard has been a little bit eviscerated from the organization. He's been kept for whatever the reason, but this is his daughters are involved, his daughters are in the meetings. Players don't like that. Real players don't. Now look, the 35th player to the 53rd player, he don't care about any of that. He just happy to be on a team. That's right. But good players that understand they're in, con- it's all on ballot. Yeah, Ursa did his thing, and that's kind of the public perception. But I deal in real, and the real is this organization has been this way for a long time, and this is squarely on what ballot has done. He has PowerPoints in front of the, this is about relationships, blah, 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 and players don't want to hear that crap. Players got three to five years, man. I don't want to hear this crap about, I know it's not about relationships because I know you'll cut my ass. This is all about Ballard and all about the organization. And Jimmy Ursay just did, everybody, Jimmy Irsay just did what Jimmy Irsay does.
0: Oh, yeah. Ir- Irsay, you never know what he's going to say or sing with his guitar on his plane. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, the other thing that Irsay said was he wasn't trading Jonathan Taylor. And they've granted permission to seek a trade. And, he, and I'm just reading between the lines here, Dan. Irsay on Jonathan Taylor five days ago. Chris Ballard's going to work hard and try to get the waters calm. The the owner is hoping the GM can smooth things over with Taylor going forward. So Ballard's going to take this. And all of the talks prior to this have been between Ursay and Taylor.
2: Yeah, but. He didn't meet with Ballard. He met with Ursay on the bus. Right. What what I'm telling you. Jimmy Ursay just told you what I'm telling you to be true because Ursay knows. Look, I'm just talking here. Ballard's (laughs) the guy that screwed. Here's the deal. Here's the deal with Jimmy Ursay. Jimmy Ursay loves players. Jimmy Ursay used to have a, but Jimmy Ursay changed. Jimmy Ursay became the social justice guy. And that's he bought into Ballard and Reich's stuff. We've had Ballard go on TV crying about social justice. We've had him crying about guns. We had Frank Reich kneeling when the players were standing. And here's the most telling part: Jimmy Ursay always had this sign: never let anything interfere with winning. It was mandatory that Pollian put it up, it was mandatory Gregson put it up, all their assistants. That thing got taken down off of all of the walls. That thing got taken down because Ballard sold this bill of goods that we can win, but we can be a model. We can be a different way to go about it. Relationships, loving each other. We'll be involved social media crap. We'll be involved social justice stuff. All right, great. We want you to be. But the truth of the matter is, and you guys know this as well as anybody, the NFL is 17 freaking games. You win or you lose. That's it. It it ain't building a team. It's you win, you lose. You win, you have extended uh, waiting lists for season tickets. You lose, Colts right now are begging people, I mean begging people to come on and buy tickets. Simple as that.
1: Dan, as a former head coach herself, not in football but in basketball, what do you think about Jim Harbaugh deciding to go with a revolving door of guest head coaches uh, from his staff for those three games he's going to serve his suspension?
2: Uh, I think it's kind of brilliant, and I'll tell you why. Maybe five years ago, you didn't do that. You know, maybe five years ago, you said, you know, my trusted assistant's doing it. But now, let's be honest. You got to look at who that trusted assistant is. What, what? How old is he? What race is he? You, you just do. And you can say you don't. Or you can say it's unfair. But you just do. And the modern guy, the modern coach, NFL or others, who, who did it? Uh, uh, Peyton did it you know, in the preseason. I'm going to let so-and-so coach to show that, you know, a diverse coach can do this. You know, that's all it is. I get it. Good for him. I kind of like it. It also shows that he doesn't really have a lot of respect for the teams that he's playing, including my Bowling Green Falcons. But, hey, look, that's the world we live in. It's the You got to appease. You, you don't want to put some old white guy out there the whole time. I get it. I understand it. Uh, it's meaningless because they're going to win these three games, 30 to zip. Guy, I don't even know. Here's the question that I have. Like, people say my record at Indiana in the seven games I took over was three and four. I disagree. Knight got thrown out in the first five minutes against Northwestern. I was the head coach. We won. Knight got thrown out in the first two minutes or five minutes, whatever it was, against Western Michigan. I was the head coach. We won. Whose, whose record – is those are those wins going on? Like Shashevsky had the one bad year, he petitioned the NCAA, he said I was a head coach, but I didn't coach because of my back. Put him on Pete Gaudet. Whose records do those go on? That's the assistant coach in me thinking. I guarantee you, if they win, they're on hardballs. If they lose, <laughs> I guarantee you they're not. That's a good point.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, win, it's definitely going to the coach, and I, I. I very much remember that Coach K year you're talking about with the back problems. The one time they didn't go to the NCAA tournament was that year where he backed out uh, midseason because of his back. Um, I've been watching Swamp Kings with your buddy Urban Meyer. And while I think that they very much soft-pedaled some things within the program, I am finding it quite entertaining uh, watching stories about this program during that period, Dan. And one thing jumped out to me I want to ask you about. Urban Meyer goes into this detailed story about kicking someone off the team that a year later died of a drug overdose and how he beat himself up over that, and that shaped how he handled discipline moving forward, that he was reluctant to kick guys off the team because he always thought about the kid who they kicked off immediately because I think he hit a woman, and that was one of their core rules on the team. You hit a woman, you're kicked off, and then he died a year later. Do you have a regret like that in coaching where you kicked a guy yeah. off a team and he ended up getting in trouble or something bad happened that you can recall?
2: Yeah, I had a kid from West Virginia came to play for me as a freshman. Plays for me as a freshman. Middle of the season, I get a call, panicked. His father committed suicide. Now, I got to go tell this kid, right? I bring him over to my house. Uh, it's a stormy night. He knows something's wrong. He starts crying in the car. Coach, you got to tell me. Blank, blanket, you got to tell me. And I'm like, hey, you know, your, your dad did this, let's get to my house, let's call your mom. Yeah, I have cell phone at the time. I don't think, I can't remember. We all, we took the team there. We were in Huntington. I, was, I drove him there that night, stayed, you know, whatever. He came back to the team. The next year, I was really hard on him. His mother told me, you got to be really hard on him. He doesn't want special treatment. I was really hard on him. He quits the day I was hard on him. But it was also, I didn't know this, it was the one-year anniversary of his father passing away. He quits. I feel horrible. Whatever happens, the season goes on. The next year, it's a year later, a a year and four months, we're driving to a game. I get a call from his mom. He says, Coach, you got to help Chris. I go, what's going on? He's addicted to Oxycontin. He's going to die. He's got all these things. I said, look, have Chris – and you come to my house. I got a game tomorrow. Come to my house. Be at my house Saturday night. They come to my house Saturday night, and he's withdrawing, right? He's puking in the bathroom. My wife and I decide he's going to stay with us until he's clean. So he lives with us. My wife does an unbelievable job, gets him into all these rehabs. But my guilt was and still is. St- he, he, I, don't, I haven't seen him in a few years But my guilt is, had I taken the time and known the date and how that date, the first year anniversary of suicide, is horrific. Every day is horrific, don't get me wrong. But that date is really impactful. I didn't know it. I coached him too hard for that day. I'm like, man, and I've talked to him about it, man, if I'd have just been smarter and kept you here, because everybody that stayed and played for me for four years, every one of them graduated, every one of them is doing wonderful, and I have that regret to this day. I, I, I swear to it's terrible. You know, we did all we could after the fact, but as a coach, man, at least in my world, with my Catholic guilt, I think about it – I'm not going to lie to you and say I think about it every day, but I think about it a lot. In fact, when I saw Urban's statement, I've been trying to reach out uh, and get a hold of him just to reconnect, so – you know uh, yeah and it's it's regret sucks, let's just put it that way, no matter what you did well for others, one regret in your life or college coaching life or maybe your parenting life, everything else is horrible.
0: well said, and no regrets here uh having you on we We love it, appreciate you Dan. have a great weekend, and uh we will catch you up soon.
2: thanks, thank you guys.
0: you got it man. there's Dan docket uh he's right about the anniversary. it's brutal um but you can see Dan's reaction now. Yeah, that was a, a terrific story. Future on the ACC is next. Sixth and Peabody, our location with IHOP Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, this Friday. Are you feeling thirsty today? It's like we never
1: left. I am getting a little bit thirsty. You know, so the weekend's upon us. Uh, it's good to hydrate. It's really hot Not here in Nashville, it is. so it's always always important to hydrate. I got to coach uh, the 8U softball game at 8 a.m. tomorrow. They bumped the game time up because of, um, because of the heat. So, you know, no time like the present to hydrate, Hutton, Now, so Friday. when you're
0: coaching, do you prefer the team? You'd prefer they have – you want to have a night game, but you also don't want to have a Saturday uh, night game. Saturdays,
1: Hutton, I will – I want the early morning game yeah. every time, especially in fall ball. I want to get out of there. I want to get back get in, and watch football, yeah. have a full day. I mean, if we could play at 7 a.m., I, I would do it. So 8 a.m., this is the earliest we'll play. They bumped it up earlier than usual. So I, always early on Saturdays. You never want those late afternoon games,
0: especially during football season. Jed, uh, the uh, report is Amazon is joining a, a, what is a, a handful of other suitors, uh, potential investors, in purchasing ESPN, in talks with Disney about ESPN. Uh, of course, Amazon Prime, all in with Thursday Night Football. They are, you know, despite seeing numbers drop, and it, it was anticipated going from Fox to Amazon with the streaming-only service, uh, they stepped up again and paid another billion or whatever for the Friday, Black Friday game to create a day on their own for them. Black Friday game, they get a premium matchup as well. Um, But this contract between ESPN and and Amazon, according to Front Office Sports, would center on just aiding the development of the full direct-to-consumer version of ESPN. And this would also fuel what we've discussed about more money coming in in this manner. That's where you're going to see the next stage of the Super Conference because that's when you really crank up more and more money. You have the other billions and trillions coming in that will also be paying and getting their fair share of the best matchups across college football. And they're also uh, looking into the uh, discussion of, well, can Amazon chip in if Florida State, Clemson, if they were to want to bolt from the ACC? Because right now, Florida State and Clemson are the two teams that reportedly are not going to vote yes for Stanford, Cal, or SMU. The others, it seems as though, are going to flip to the other side and vote yes for them to join the conference.
1: Well, and if the media rights deals are getting too rich even for Disney and ESPN, which that tends to be the case, they're having to be more selective about what they're paying for, I'd say Amazon money or Apple money coming in there would make it conceivable where they could own everything. They could own a piece of the pie of every major sport in the world And have it on that platform. Interesting conflicting reports with this, because the Apple report from Front Office Sports was that they were gonna buy all of ESPN. And that would be about fifty billion dollars. The Amazon report is a minority stake in ESPN. Mm -hmm. So how does that differ? What does that look like? Is Prime video distributing some of it? I asked this question about Apple. If you buy ESPN for fifty bill. Are you keeping the ESPN brand and just running it as a subsidiary of Apple? Or are you morphing it all into Apple TV or Apple Sports, where you have Apple TV Plus and you have Apple Sports or whatever you want to call it, that's a separate brand? I think you're probably buying ESPN and keeping the ESPN name for whoever does that. So then the minority part of this with Amazon would make a lot of sense. It's going to be interesting to see where this goes with ESPN, because the other report is it's going to be between $20 and $35 a month starting out for the direct-to-consumer ESPN membership. It's a good bit of money. Well, but the... If you were to have a, all of it, but if you have Amazon and Apple involved in it, Hutton, they're going to have everything. But if you were, so if paying, you're a sports
0: fan, you're going to pay for it. If you were paying for a regional sports network like NESN or MSG, you were paying thirty dollars. It was twenty nine yeah. bucks, right?
1: And that's for the. Um, I mean, that that is really attacking the diehard, you know, Yankees Red Sox fan. Yeah, whoever maybe for those networks but this would to be get them to watch the those games. Fan, Absolutely,
0: the, you know, so I, they could charge whatever they wanted, really. If you're owning. The SEC in that? I mean, Think about what SEC fans would pay.
1: Yeah, it's also, I just look at all this and I think, we had it right with television and cable. And then because we got new technology with Mm -hmm. streaming, we flipped the entertainment world on its head. And now what everybody's finding out is, man, you know, we were pretty smart the way we had it before and that was very profitable. Let's kind of go back to that. So now we're just... Piece milling it where it's going to be way more for the consumer to pay for everything they want through direct-to-consumer streaming services. And ESPN would be another one. And ESPN makes more than anyone else off of cable subscriptions. But they're losing the cable subscriptions.
0: I, I they're just, charging less for ESPN Plus than they are charging for the cable subscriber and what the average person pays on their cable bill. It's roughly 10 bucks a month of your cable bill, satellite bill, whatever, is going to ESPN and they're charging what 7.99 or something yeah. for ESPN Plus a month. Yeah, now it would be 30. You know, 29.99 right.
1: is the talk that if they go away from cable and it's all on on uh, digital streaming direct to consumer, it's going to be about $30 a month. Also, the reports about leagues partnering with them in a minority stake. So all the different possibilities we have here. Is it Apple buying the entirety of ESPN from Disney? Is it Amazon partnering with Disney? Is it some sort of conglomerate of NBA, MLB, and Amazon buying 49% of of ESPN from Disney. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities of where this thing could go. But here's my one prediction. Based on reports of what's happening, all of you, every single one of you, you're going to pay for it. Well, you're going to buy it.
0: We don't... Uh, there's no...
1: I mean, if you're watching this right now, definitive. you have at least a passing interest in sports. I'm telling you, you're going to pay for whatever this is yeah. when they get a hold of it, because they're going to control everything.
0: But the, They're going to have every sport. I, I think it's priced at a very reasonable uh, amount, personally. I mean, because Netflix continues to raise prices, and everyone complains yeah. about it, and then everyone pays the money. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't oh, heard I'm not saying they're not going to... I'm saying they are, you are absolutely going to pay for yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, whatever it is, but I, they could be 50. And I think a you, uh, month. You're going to pay for it. For the, if I'm forgetting everything you're saying? Yeah. I mean, what would the
1: sports fan pay? Uh, what, what are I, I, we watching I, right now live? That's what I'm saying. You no, know, like, it's not. It's only sports. Yeah. That's what all the data out there shows us. So if it's only sports, you're going to pay whatever they tell you to pay. And guess what Apple and Amazon and all these companies are great at doing?
0: Naming a price and getting about, you to fork How about over Verizon them. being named in this? Verizon's the other company too that Front Office Sports says is also uh, negotiating, or at least talking, opening talks about uh, this platform of the direct to consumer model, not the full purchase of ESPN. But Verizon is also in the mix.
1: I also look. What's the last time today, you've heard of
0: Verizon? It's, been a, it's been a while. Yeah. Um,
1: I also think about what do the leagues really want in all this, because while that's a lot more money coming into ESPN that they could now spend in rights fees. You're also eliminating an enormous competitor, either prime video or ESPN. How did prime video spend so much in the Thursday night package? Cause they had tons of competition for it and it drove mm-hmm. up the price. Well, if Apple who wants to get into live sports suddenly is ESPN and you've got them merging in the same. Well, that's one less huge, deep-pocketed competitor wow. for your rights fees. For And I'm not just talking about NFL, which is, is printing money, and will continue to do so. I'm talking NBA. I'm talking ATP. I'm talking Formula One. I'm talking every other sport that's out there. Big 12. I mean, go down the list. That eliminates a, a high-money competitor from what you could be getting for rights fees
0: if, they, but, if they, one of them buys the other, but they're both in rights fees though, that don't expire until 2033 with the NFL. They, they, year one of this new TV deal happens this year, and that's a, in total it's 110 billion op- across all platforms, and it also includes, or maybe it does include I'm looking at the story it does include this what Amazon just ponied up to get for the Black Friday game moving forward. It's nuts. But th- you know what this is? This, you may look at it like, oh, there's, Amazon's coming with ESPN here, and okay, what happens in 2030? Think about what this means for the SEC and the Big Ten, specifically the commissioners, and what they're looking to do and win. If all of this is going down, and then you have the college football playoff contract, which is up three years from this season, but two years is the only length of the, con- the duration of time For the new model of the expansion to 12. Think about the money that's going to be involved now from that angle, too. You know, ESPN wants to own that. They've owned the college football playoff. And with Amazon coming in, now they can. They can outspend anyone that wants to come in and bid for it. It's a brave new world that that we're entering. What's the best option, do you think? Is it Amazon? For ESPN? Yeah. Is the best option for them to sell total? I think it and depends owned on by what, Apple or is it the best option to do the the split? Yeah,
1: um, I think probably the split. It depends on if it's for the company or the consumer, what is best. Um, I think the split is probably better because you're kind of combining forces at that point of Disney and another huge corporation, Apple, for instance. If they bought it outright for fifty billion dollars. Well, Apple can spend what they want. They're inheriting all those
0: those contracts that, and then, that ESPN had, And the, All of that adds up to, to around forty nine billion.
1: I think, though, the odds of and I'm looking out for the consumer here. Right. I think the odds of Amazon owning a smaller percentage of it, or thirty, forty percent, whatever, and not the majority of it, and putting their influx of money in that they could spend on rights fees. I think that makes it better for a one stop shop. So if you're spending that thirty or forty dollars a month, you're going to feel like my parents are a great example. My parents, if there's a sporting event, on, they just turn to ESPN. Yeah. And I'm like, it's not on ESPN. It's on, it's on this channel. And it just blows their mind that anything could be anywhere else. Well, that's what we'll all do. We'll just go to Apple Plus, and we'll go to that and say, oh, this game, it's got to be on there, right? How is it not on here? It'll be like my you know, 80-year-old, uh, almost 80-year-old dad. How is the game not on this, this pack? I pay $40 for it, but in reality, it will be on that if they have all of the money.
0: Yeah, it should so, be. And it, it, I wonder too if they go through the local, the, the, the NFL, for instance. If it's a Thursday night package, the in-market games can be seen on a local channel, even though it's on Amazon, right? So I wonder if to cater to that audience who's probably watching their team and is probably around, you know, their market or their state. I wonder if they also have that option. But the, 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 that would also mean the local affiliate would have to bid to air that game. How many years free. are we
1: away where most Americans understand how to work a streaming service? Um, I still don't think we're completely there. Most Americans can. We're definitely at the point where people yeah. understand smartphones. Even our parents' age can understand how to text and put emojis in and the do fact all that of my that.
0: My mom is texting tells me it's, it's I think we're, the fact, fact my mom They're is, in their 60s. The, the fact that
1: my mom is sending emojis <laughs> shows me that we've reached that point. But how long will it take until my parents know how to go to a streaming service and actually search and watch different shows? They don't because I have to physically go to a show, like to Paramount Plus, to put it on Lioness. On there, the next Taylor Sheridan show, because they love Yellowstone, so they want the Taylor Sheridan shows. I have to go in, show them how to search for it, (laughs) and put it up there, and they are not going to watch another episode unless I tell them one has dropped, and they go in, and it magically appears at the top of their queue. They will not find it if not. I kind of miss that So we're still far away from people understanding all of it.
0: Chad, we are the the dying uh, uh, generation of not knowing what social media was like yeah, half
1: our life without uh internet not and social a cell media phone. and half
0: our life with it not having a cell perfect phone. split for me right now calling someone they didn't answer i wonder what they're doing i have no idea i may find out in three days i don't care i would have to get phone numbers my freshman
1: year of college from girls to their dorm i'd have to call the dorm and ask their roommate if they were home this this, hey, is, this was the era in which you, i grew up in you up is uh, Cassie in right now? <laughs> oh, this isn't Cassie. Sorry, <laughs> wrong number again. I got uh, I got fed you, a fake number again. You mean Carly? It happened again. It happens all the time. Cass Carly. Ka- Carly lives <laughs> here. Oh yeah, Carly. Oh Callie. <laughs> Callie, Got it. That's that's her name. Yes.
0: Uh, coming up, the Kyle Omega. <laughs> yeah. Is there a Kyle Omega here? You just identified by sorority. She's being initiated, Carly. Yes, she's uh, in a coffin. Let's get into the ACC discussion because. All of a sudden, it sounds like Stanford and Cal, maybe even SMU, are about to join the conference. And it's because they're willing to not take that much to join. Next.